Welcome back to Anecdotal Anatomy. Today, our guest may seem like a departure from the others given what she does, but you'll see that it doesn't matter what we do or what any of our exterior labels are when we set out to do the interior work. Today's underlying theme is intuition and wisdom. Name one thing that wouldn't benefit from this approach. If you're an animal lover, this is the episode for you. In our conversation with Amy, we'll learn a bit about what it means to train humans to understand their dogs and how reading their energy serves this understanding. Leash up, my friends, and surrender to where this conversation leads without pulling too hard. I am so excited to welcome our guest. Amy is uh, one of my very, very dearest friends. Um, she's a masterful canine communicator, but also a masterful human communicator. She's intuitive and she is brilliant at reading body language. And that's with dogs and humans. <laughs> so what's most important to Amy is the impact that she has on people's lives. She transforms families from the chaos and frustration of their dogs not listening to the peace of having a dog that listens and the freedom to truly enjoy their best friend. Amy's company, Lead the Way, does things very, very different, differently. During their dog training, the families her team gets to help know that they become part of the Lead the Way family. Amy touches everyone she meets. She creates a sense of community her families or packs know they have who they have people who understand them and their dogs. Their clients become friends who are comfortable to call when they need support. Amy is passion driven and inspires her team to share their passions too: rescue, service dogs, therapy dogs, obedience, Zen doggy. Their combined passions and knowledge help everyone to give their best for the family and their best friend, their dog. Amy, ah, I can't even tell you, I woke up this morning and the first thought I had in my mind was, my room is filled with purple sparkles. <laughs> I know you and I know that you sent them ahead <laughs> just to be sure that we could all begin to align our energy. Welcome, welcome. So good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Today we, um, Sherry, you want to talk about um, kind of the flavor of the energy of today's episode and um, our, as we have said in, what was it, episode five, Vigyana Mayakosha. <laughs> well, so I will start with the pronunciation because, you know, I mean, while it's not the most important thing, you know, someone listening might be like, hmm. So um, in the beginning, I was saying Vignana Maya and Teresa was saying Vigyana Maya, but I think it's actually a combination of both. It's Vignana Mayakosha, Vignana, not Vignana or Vigyana, Vignana. <laughs> so imagine that end with a little squiggly line on top. Um, and this sheath is, you know, we're moving from the mental sheath, the one of the thoughts, um, Manamaya Kosha, into this Vignanamaya Kosha, which is intuition, it's wisdom, it's our acquired knowledge, but it's not 
it's not so deliberative. It's not, we're not thinking about it. It's something we sense or know or feel and understand. Well, between understand and know, I would say it's something we know more than even necessarily understanding. In those moments that I've had flashes of Vignana Maya, I'm not sure I understand it at all. I just kind of know when it's there. Is that helpful? That is helpful. Yeah. It's that intuition, that little voice inside that you just know beyond explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> it is um, a delightful conversation to have in a new place. So we work with animals and they don't talk. There are no words. So their first language is intuitive language. They speak the language of energy from birth. That's their first, that's their first way of communicating with the world. So. I used to be a software engineer and I was a system software engineer. So I looked at the systems that we were building and this system had these kinds of rules and this system had these kinds of rules. And my specialty was the communication between systems. So how do I get systems to talk to each other? How do I get um, this system over here that was built by this company on a completely different operating system to talk with this new technology and make everything work well? So when I started looking at the system of dogs and dogs in families and why do we lose so many of these wonderful souls every year, I noticed that there are two sides to the leash. So there's the system of the human and the system of the dog, right? And they both have completely different needs and wants and desires and ways to communicate. And there are overlap, of course, but if you don't acknowledge that they don't understand human from birth, then you're at a loss because they're constantly trying to figure out what you're saying and you're constantly frustrated because they are not doing what you expect them to do. Did you always understand this or know this? Was this before the system work, um, the IT, the, were you a dog person? Did you recognize this energy interchange early on or did that develop over time? So it's an interesting story because when I was five, my grandmother died and I got a dog because it like wrecked my day, you know? Huh, look at that. I happened to be sitting on her lap at the time. We were watching The Sound of Music and like that, that relationship had finished and she crossed over. So I- (laughs) Wow. So. Yes, right. Five years old. And it's interesting because I had that memory today. So it was, I was kind of prepared for this, but as you can see, it's not an easy memory for me and it brings up tons of feeling. But at five years old, my parents knew that I was struggling and they took me to the pound and I picked out cinnamon. So cinnamon and I were like peas and carrots. I dressed her up. I used to put her in drawers as her little carriage and she would just sit there. And she was this little mutt of a probably Jack Russell mix if I look back on it now, you know what I mean? So um, cinnamon and I were very close. And then when I was about 13, I would have to say my mom knew because I started being a 13 year old and she was having trouble dealing with my 13 year old Amy and she got me into the 4-H and raising seeing eye dogs. So we would get them as a puppy and keep them for a year and train them and take them everywhere and sleep with them and eat with them and having a puppy kept me involved at home and not in involved in anything else that she didn't want me to focus on. (laughs) So I raised Mercury um, and he became a seeing eye dog and then we raised more dogs. Um, And then dog training as a career 
wasn't really around when I got out of school. Like it wasn't really an option, but I'm very logical. And my dad was a system engineer and a software engineer. And I thought this was delightful. So I got my degree in, um, in computer science, information technology um, back in the 90s. And then I went to work in all kinds of different places for large scale defense contractors, for different commercial kind of applications. And after about, you know, 17-ish years in there, I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> um, and I just knew something just wasn't right. Like my life was great. I had, a great. I had a great life. I had a great place to live. I had a great car. I had a great job. I had a great office. I worked with great people, but I just wasn't feeling satisfied or feeling like myself or feeling complete and all that stuff. So I started working with a coach. She is a visionary leadership coach and she has been part of my life now for coming on 20 years. She is also part of Lead the Way. My whole team works on visionary leadership, energetic type communication and as the dogs speak that way. And guess what? So do humans. So the more that we get to know about energetic conversations and how it feels and how your energy feels and how their energy feels, it's easier to start learning the communication between the two. Just because I, you said a few things that, and I'm sorry, it's not, there's no question in here, but the other day when Teresa and I were preparing a little bit for this, I had this sense, I've only met you one other time. And I said, with all of this energy work, there's nothing about you that registered woo-woo to me. Like there was nothing about you that made me feel like, oh, she's somewhere in the ethers and I can't, there's no grounding there, which is so interesting because you just referred to yourself as being logical, that you have a certain way of doing things, that for people who listen to conversations about energy, who get turned off immediately because they think there's some kind of other otherness going on that is just um, ungrounded and, and unrealistic or or illogical, I would say, because we talk a lot about being nature, that we are nature, that nature is not outside of us, that we are pure reflections of the other. And so that when we talk about, if even scientists say that everything can be reduced to energy, that energy cannot be destroyed or created, that it's, you know, redistributed. And we've talked about this too, and that you as someone who uses this energy in your work, in your life, in logical, very real scenarios that have helped you know, families with, with, you mentioned feral dogs before, like this is, this is amazing to me because this is just another example of how we have changed the definition of energy to mean something other than what I think it is. So yes, I'm a science person. So I would have to say that quantum physics was my door into energy work, into the logic of it, into the experimentation of it, into the, um, the realness. You know what I mean? Like this is, there are scientific experimentations, experiments that measure energy, that measure the frequencies of energy, that measure the impact of energy on things like water. We all know about that study. You know, if you write happy on water, it changes the molecules. So what we know about intention and what we know about focus is we attract what we focus on. We intentionally choose the words we say because I want to make sure that the impact I have in the community is a positive one that brings me positive interactions back. Um, in Lead the Way, we talk about 
how do we honor other perspectives that are in complete conflict with ours? And how do we not see that other person as wrong? Because then we've created a hierarchy in the communication and they cannot hear us anymore. So how do we become aligned and next to each other so that the dogs can thrive, so that the family can thrive? And what I find the most fascinating is there is a immediate and direct reflection when you fix that energy, when you notice the the patterns um and i'm super good at seeing patterns because like it's my thing so i'll watch the energy in a family play back and forth and notice that like every time the dad speaks all the energy goes there but when the mom speaks maybe she's not able to command that energetic presence yet so we have conversations about what you're looking for is more of a collaborative leadership type style than you're getting because the dog is not respecting you and what's happening in the family is it looks like dad has all of the power and mom doesn't have the power and maybe there's other things going on but when you realize that everyone has power everyone has a say everyone has an impact everyone is important then the energy flows and the dogs can reflect a balanced energy that reminds me when when we send out our our intake so that we can really get to know you and kind of craft our conversations we ask a question of everybody and that is what would their ted talk be and your answer to that question was interspecies communication and how your behavior is mirrored in your canine companion. And that's what I'm hearing you say about this differential, that there's you can see this mirroring in the canine based on what's going on in the dynamics of the people or the pack it shares a home with. So I know, I, you know, I wish I could hear your entire TED talk right now, but I know I can. <laughs> but since we're on that subject, do you have anything that you want to like add in about, you know, this mirroring of our companions and how you see it? You said you see patterns. And when I've taken Siva to work with you, I'm surprised she hasn't said hi yet hearing your voice um, <laughs> out in the background. She usually does. Um, you taught me a lot about watching what Sivus do. I remember this one story I called you. And like we said earlier, you know, when you're troubled and you don't know what to do, lead the way is a place that you can call and you know you got people. So I called you about Siva because I was trying to work and I had a lot of work to do. And I was sitting at my desk and she kept coming over every five minutes and throwing her toy at me and throwing her toy at me. And I kept trying to get her to understand the uh, commands of place and things that you had taught me. And as we went through the conversation, you very skillfully led me to the question, well, how long have you been sitting at your desk? And <laughs> tried to remind me that Siva was reading my energy and letting me know that I was, uh, you know, Maybe my attitude wasn't 100% on what I was doing anymore. Uh, and that's what your answer reminded me of, was how you taught me to see that she was mirroring my distress at that moment. I think the first place that I like to start is, what are they trying to say to me? Because they're sentient beings, right? So they're speaking to you too. They're community pack animals. They wanna be part of a family. And they are also, your best friend like legit that is what they do they watch you all day they don't have a job they don't have tv they don't have anything you are the thing that makes all of their life work 
right? Because we live in a human world and they have to work in our human world. What the dogs notice is our our state of being. Are you happy? Are you annoyed? Are you frustrated? Have you been sitting still so long working on a problem that you're building up all this anxiety? And Siva watches you all the time and she's like, yo mom, let's go take a walk. You've been sitting there for a while. You're obviously annoyed and frustrated. So like, come on, let's go do something fun. Let's not do that anymore. And as we, you know, as we talk about energy and as we talk about noticing our focus, our, our state of being, our mood is important, right? So if we're looking at something and we are frustrated and we can't figure out that problem, we will bang that hammer and, you know, I'm a Taurus, I'm stubborn as hell, I hate to not know things, so I'm like at it. But every once in a while, you know, Vixen will throw a toy at me or <laughs> start pulling at the carpet or something and I'll be like, okay, Vixen, you're right, let's go take a walk, right? And they do those things for us. Um, I have service dogs in teams where they help their person keep their anxiety low. Um, I have a dog I've worked with and I got to go to high school and be a companion and teach the dog how to navigate the world of high school. So what's fascinating to me is I got on the bus in my neighborhood. My client happened to live in my neighborhood growing up. I took my bus to the high school that I went to and graduated from and then went to school in my 40s. And I'm a little person, so I kind of just blended in. So watching the interaction of the team teenagers and watching what's true today that was not true in my reality before and then watching this dog support this human navigating when anxiety and social interactions and people being too close are all of her challenges and in this environment I watched this dog make paths for her. I watched this dog without saying anything, just put a little barrier so people didn't get too close. I watched this dog notice if she was feeling uncomfortable and put himself on her lap and get her attention and do all of those things so that she graduated high school and she has a job and she has a driver's license. And this is a person that we were afraid would never achieve those goals, would never be able to finish a, pro a school like that. So it's amazing to see the transformations and the way that it works. Cause there's, I'm not teaching him to do that. He's intuitively creating that with her and then acting in the world on, on their behalf because they become a team. And it's pretty amazing to watch and rewarding, like super rewarding. I got a glimpse into that. Um, I'm noticing. So for anybody um, who's only listening and doesn't see this on the teaser, right next to Amy in her Zoom box is a poster that she and I created when we worked on a project called Zen Doggy. And, you know, so she's talking about her systems and being a software engineer. But on this sign, what's capturing my attention are the words OM and joy. So we see that other side. But what I found fascinating when we worked on this project together was the, the foundation of Zen Doggy was touch. And the very first thing we did in the beginning was teach humans to massage their dogs. We taught them the qualities of touch. We taught them to be able to interact and with intention to recognize the difference between what would happen if they were slowly massaging the dog down their spine and really engaging with the sense of touch or whether they were quickly, you know, patting the dog and playing with it and the different energetic responses. But what really captured my attention were the bonds 
between and these transformative bonds between the people who are in the class, some of them part of service dog teams, but there was also a couple and they shared a lot of information about how their touch in their relationship had changed. And I know that your team uses it often. Can you kind of talk about that and the transformational relationships in these service dog teams and how this touch kind of made its way or grew within Lead the Way and Zen Doggy? So having Teresa and her um, vast knowledge of the body and how the body works and the mechanics and how to notice and feel and read the signals and, and listen, I think kind of what we're all speaking to is you have to learn to listen. Listen to what the body is saying to you. Listen to what the dog's saying to you. Listen to what the energy is saying to you. So we started with touch. There's a lot of weird things around touch. And now that we have all this other newness that has layered on top of our reality, um, getting close to people is a challenge because of all the things, right? So what we were working on is this is the proper way to massage muscle. This is how to notice where it's stuck or where it's not fluid or how to heat it up and then move the stuckness through. And depending on what you what your belief system is, we store things in our bodies. So there could be stored negative energy in that spot. So what you're learning to do is help and assist that being with releasing muscle stiffness or maybe some old energy or maybe some old stories that they've stored that they don't need anymore. You're also teaching people um, the pressure, how to touch in a way that feels good and how to massage in a way that's supportive and useful and not, you know, that one that you might get sometimes. <laughs> right? But after that, um, there were couples in our class and one of the wives came back and said, thank you. You taught my husband how to give a massage and how to <laughs> how to do it properly and how to have that how to have that conversation how to open the door for it to be okay because it wasn't about us it was about the dog right and then teaching people how to do that and we talk about um, to calm your dog down you want a pretty deep pressure right down the spine off the tail bring them in their somatic system it's slow if you want to excite them you're like hey let's go rubbing them all up getting them all up so depending on what your intention is you're going to approach your dog from the perspective of what you want and make sure that your energy matches the outcome not currently what's happening so we use zen dog a lot when i'm doing rehab i work with dogs who've been in fighting rings. I've worked with dogs who've been in shelter systems. I've worked with, you know, the, the dogs that need all of the work. And a lot of that starts with Zen dog and starts with learning how to touch and accept touch and for them to read, but not push too far, like having that bond. And the results are just transformative. It's pretty outstanding and teachable. Um, Teresa and I have done classes. People love it. Um, we've recorded classes every once in a while. I'll have a client say, hey, check out this class because your dog needs this experience. Um, we worked with the dog's chakras and their, and their energy points and how to create a relationship 
based on what they need and helping them to be the best that they can be. So lots of dogs who have aggression issues, it starts in their root chakra because when they were young, something bad happened and it's not balanced. So we talk about different smells and scents and things that will help them to balance that and be more friendly because one of the problems with that out of balance is aggression right so if i have a dog who's aggressive as a puppy we know that there's a problem in the root of their foundation and then we can build it from there i'm going to be calling you because we have a, a, a pandemic rescue in addition to a rescue we've had for years she was a five-year-old breeder mom who is we've had her for two years now and she's still so traumatized by thresholds walking through doors and i think there may have been some male influence my husband feeds her every day loves on her for so long just to like let you know keep the trauma keep the shaking and she still has has a bit of that um, what i found fascinating by everything you just said was that you touched on every single kosha you touched on from the physical body from the vital life force energy and and the, the, the knowledge, the thinking that guides us before our intuition, our intuition, I'm before, after, I'm, that's, that's a wrong narrative. But um, even while that may be a, an operating system in the background that we're not necessarily focusing on, that our thinking mind says, oh, this is true and this can happen, and then into the intuition. And I was thinking, you know, this idea of <laughs> training people to, for, for their dogs, and how that, how does that translate into people to people? Because we live in such a fractured world and we live in such a hierarchical, like we keep creating these little models of hierarchy all around, whether it's, you know, political ideologies or um, wisdom traditions or, you know, whatever it is that we, we resonate with, somehow we think ours is better or right. And um, we were talking in an earlier episode that you can't be right and curious at the same time. And so, you know, in the work that you do, have you, I guess the question is, have you found practices or things that you can do to meet other people where they are in the way that you meet the dogs where they are? So I've changed. I, I, I come from a different place with meeting people. Um, I don't meet people where they are. I open the space to meet them, to let them meet me where I am, right? So I'm not changing my vibe because this is the way I like to live in this space. Um, so I'm not changing it to fit you, but I'm gonna open the door and allow a communication that's collaborative you know, next to each other. So one of the best tools that I've used, um, and it's a coaching tool from my coach, Dorothy West, and we talk about being uh, in alignment. So if I have a problem, the problem is in front of me and my partner in that conversation is next to me. So we're talking about the problem over there, not the problem between us. So the first thing we do is stand up and go stand next to each other and look at the problem together and next to each other, right? So it's hard not to step in hierarchical conversations. Um, our I worked a lot in the military world, so that comes with a lot of rank and retaliation, which is always happens, revenge, retaliation. As soon as you pull rank, all you have on the other side is retaliation and revenge, right? So how do we do this in a different way? And um, my, my, my girls ask me this all the time, and what I can say to you is I energetically sidestep the conversation. So they're like, I am right. And I'm like, okay, you're right, now what? 
we're, your dog's still wrong. Like it, your dog's still doing this. So I appreciate all that you know, and you've done that and you've tried it, but here we are with this problem right there. And maybe we could have a different conversation about that. Maybe we could talk about another way to look at that. Maybe you and I could talk about ideas and brainstorm ideas to try things. Some of, some of what's hard for people who are trying to teach is I know the answer. Obviously, you're here because I know the answer. But if I'm telling you I know the answer and you don't, that pulls rank and that's not what I'm here for. So let's collaborative create the answer and create the story that you want to live. This is your dream life. Everybody gets a dog to increase their joy of their life. If your dog's destroying your house, peeing on your stuff, biting your friends, that's not, that's not what you wanted. So let's work together so that we can have this on the other side. And I have this really great tool so we teach that in the dog world and this is very true if i'm speaking and you speak over me you have just told the dog that i am less important than you are and that is true in reality too it's true when people do that in a rank type way your your work or your information is not as important as my information so i'm in this family and the challenge was the dog is a, the dad was a very type A personality and he was a very good dad and he went to his work and he was part of that rank type mindset. And his wife, she was much softer, right? And then there was two little kids in the family and they were young grade school type ages. So the dog's not listening, never listens to mom, always listens to dad, never listens to mom, never listens to the kids, any of that. So what was happening is I was teaching this game that we teach and we call it puppy ping pong. So the first command we teach is touch and touch means put your nose on my hand, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, no matter what is happening, you stop that and you put your nose on my hand right now. And for my agreement in that conversation, I will always acknowledge that you did the right thing using your positive motivators, whether it's love or a treat or whatever. Every time you put your nose on my hand, I will acknowledge that and reward you for that. So. The game, once the dog understands the touch command, the game becomes touch mom, touch dad, everybody calls the dog back and forth. We're teaching the habits for both sides of the leash to use touch when they need the dog. Now, mom calls the dog, the dog doesn't listen. Dad immediately jumps in, see, she doesn't listen. And I had explained this conversation about the dogs respecting the communication. So the little boy who was tiny in his little voice says, Daddy, please don't tell her not to respect mommy, right? And from that moment, the entire energy shifted in the house. And when I went back the next time, the family was working as a team and the dog was doing amazing. And the information that was gained was from my perspective for the husband was I don't have to act this way to be the man. I can be in a supportive collaborative relationship and have what I want and everybody gets what they want. So those kinds of new energetic conversations, new awareness about our impact of our actions, I think it's a great way to do it because I'm not doing it directly telling the people you guys are acting wrong. I'm saying when this happens, the dog interprets that way. So if you can do it differently, look at what happens and then easily that translates into the rest of the life. I feel like I owe you money because I <laughs> 
I've been through therapy. I feel like you brought up some of my own shadows that I need to really look more deeply into. Um, and not just with my dogs, but in my everyday communication that, you know, we have love language, we have communication language, we have all these languages and habits. And, you know, Teresa and I talk about this a lot, just in terms of communication and, you know, thank you. And, you know, send me an invoice. Thank you. <laughs> I, thank you. I, I love what we do. Um, we've been doing this now. I'm coming up on 15 years. So it's evolved over time. Um, and we have a lot of great impact in the community. I do a program called the Rough Life Academy with a local rescue group where we support the families who are fostering, the families who are helping the, the community with videos and knowledge about their foster dogs and getting them set up to be successful. And then whenever we have a challenging case, Rough Life brings the dog to my center and they'll stay with us. We've had dogs here for a couple months. We've had dogs here for a year until we can get them healthy and adoptable. And that's everything from mental health to physical health. Like some of the things that happen to these dogs before they come to us need to be un undone and then reprogrammed to give them a chance. Yeah. You know, you mentioned this a couple of times and I really like it. You talk about the rescues and dogs that have had a traumatic um, experience or ongoing traumatic experiences in their lives and how they wind up that lead the way. And it's, it is one of the things that um, I so respect about your passion and your commitment to in recognition of how many of those unadoptable dogs that had rough starts have become Amy McKay's um, <laughs> favorite pets. <laughs> you knew that you had, um, the skill and the knowledge and the energy and the connection with them to give them this great life, even if they were not leaving, lead the way. And the success story that I'm thinking about is the one, I mean, you've had tons, but the one that I'm thinking about is Peaches. Oh, yeah. Right? Peaches. And how many times Peaches was adopted and came back to live with you? But I didn't think she was ever leaving. I thought she, <laughs> she decided she was staying with me forever. <laughs> peaches, who's Peaches? Tell me about Peaches. So Peaches um, was Peaches like was the star of our first Zen doggy class. But tell us a couple of the stories about Peaches and her journey. And so Peaches was a, a golden doodle puppy. Um, her family didn't understand training needs and things like that. So as a young dog, her trust in humanity was just completely shattered. And she started using her teeth to show people that you're invading my space and all of these things. So um, she, um, to get to lead the way, there's very few avenues anymore. I used to take a lot of rescue cases on, but I have adopted too many dogs. <laughs> so I can't, I can't take more rescues on and, until, and that's how the Rough Life Academy program came. I became a partner with a rescue group so that I can continue my work, but not in my house. But Peaches came to me through a vet prep partner that I work with. Um, and she says, Amy, you're the only one who can fix this dog. And she's beautiful and she's really sweet. But if you try to clean her ears or if you try to grab her, she will bite you. And she did. <laughs> so, 
So we worked with Peaches for about a year. Um, we worked with Zen Dog. We worked um, a lot on that Stretch and Calm book. You remember we were practicing every day with her, the different techniques to see how they worked and the impact they had. And we noticed miraculous changes. Like there are pictures of her right now with her little girl sitting under the Christmas tree and her little girl is reading stories to Peaches in her lap. She is at softball games. She is part of the community. She is a loved member of the family and has like living her best life. She's still a little bit of an edgy girl, but you understand her edges and we work within them. So you're not gonna put your hand in her room and grab her food. She's not gonna appreciate that. That's just the way she is. So we don't do that. And we would never put her in a family with small children or somebody who wouldn't have understood those kinds of things. But when we grew up, when I grew up, there were dogs in people's families and you knew don't touch that dog. And we learned respect and we learned how dogs communicated. And I think some of that has been lost in our culture. Um, we're no longer respecting that that is another sentient being. I see pictures on social media and one of the reasons I don't spend time on social media anymore is because I'll see families and the kids are like in danger of getting bit and like it's just scrolling by on my knee on my newsfeed and I'm like oh my god that child is in such danger <laughs> and like you know things like that happen so yeah can you tell us you know you mentioned um peaches and that she was a little edgy can you tell us one or two things that if we were seeing a dog that we didn't know or a dog was approaching us, one or two things that we might look at that might say, okay, um, this dog is approaching with friend, uh, you know, in, with a friendly way, or maybe there's something in the body language that kind of gives us a clue of, you know, um, maybe we should have just a tiny bit of caution here because sometimes, you know, dogs are off leash and they come running up when you're out walking or doing things. And I don't really want to talk about the pros and cons of whether they left their dog off the leash, but more so, can we notice something in the dog's body language to give us a clue of how and why they're approaching? So there's two parts to that question, right? There's two sides of the leash. So as a dog is approaching you, your reaction is going to be important as well. So direct eye contact in dog language is considered a, dom a dominance challenge, right? So the first thing you do is you don't wanna directly stare at them unless they're coming at you and they're forward and they're yelling, then you wanna be like, go home and look them really straight in the eye and tell them like, not at all, you make yourself really big. But if it's like a floppy dog who's coming at you and they're running, you kind of want to give them a side profile because in dog language, that means settle down. I don't like what you're doing. Calm yourself, right? So first, first signal in dog language that I don't like what you're doing is a side profile. If you see a dog turning away from you, don't approach them. If they're licking their lips, that means I'm uncomfortable and I'm trying to tell you I'm uncomfortable. So there's lots of different ways that you can read the interaction. Um, if the dog's running at you hardcore, the big thing is to be bigger, go home. Um, put your dog behind you and you are, get out of here. Don't you dare come near me. That works. If they just wanna come up real funny and floppy, side profile, try to calm it down um, and wait till their parents get there. <laughs> <laughs> wait till your mother gets here. <laughs> yep, 
wait until your mom sees you. <laughs> so where's lead the way going? You have so much energy and the way, I mean, just the way that you interact with your team is, um, I just find it amazing. Anytime I'm with the lead the way team, I feel uplifted. Um, you know, people work together. They lead with a positive energy. Um, they interact with questions in a positive way and response. So it's really just such an inclusive and amazing group of people to hang out with. Even, you know, yeah, we're all just like pack walk. We go, you know, Saturday mornings, you go out, you walk the dog. I remember pack play when Siva was, um, in her training where, you know, you allowed the dogs to teach the other dogs. But even in that, there was this um, controlled energetic response that the dogs had even when they were teaching the puppies. So, you know, it's apparent that these transformative relationships that you have created and that now really infuse themselves into your service dog teams, I think is just, it's amazing to hang out with you and your team. I, that's what I, that's what I wanted to say there because the energy is palpable. Thank you. And that is intentional. Um, when I left software engineering and decided that I wanted to do something that made a difference in the world that had a positive impact, because I have this time here on this planet and you know, that wasn't doing it for me. And if I want to do something else, it's got to have meaning. Um, so I started studying the work of Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point, How to Influence Culture, Dan Pink, How to Inspire and Motivate and in, in Inspire People to Do a Good Job. What, what are those balance building blocks, excuse me, what are the building blocks that build collaborative, supportive teams? Um, I knew I didn't want to do it the old way, and the new way is just coming out. So I was pulling a lot of that in, and Dorothy is a huge part of helping me and, and helping me um, stay the course. You know, when you work with a coach and you work with a coach on a, on a routine basis, the questions are like, okay, does that decision bring you closer to that goal that you wanted? Is that the experience that you are really wanting? And sometimes she'll say to things to me like, okay, Amy, when you made this dream 15 years ago, do you remember that today was so far away? Celebrate how far you've come because that's also helpful. You get really lost in like, there's never enough, but there is. And finding the balance and keeping the balance. And um, I brought her as a member of our team and we have, she has coaching relationships with all of our, our teammates. Um, and then we have bi-weekly coaching team sessions where we're working on communication and tools to help us with clients who we don't align with immediately who or dogs that we're struggling with and we don't know what to do next and how to have you know supportive collaborative conversations all the time um, and that has made just a big difference and then navigating our society and the way capitalism works and how that impacts because capitalism is not really set up for a collaborative team type business let's say <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, they want to make sure that there's a, a big piece for the owner over here. And I'm like, but then where are my people? And I want to take care of my people. So like, how does this all play together? Um, we have nine team members. There are team members across the globe now. So it's been pretty fun. We have virtual programs. When the pandemic happened, I had already been doing aggression work virtually. And with my background in software, I kind of got tired of getting bit. And sometimes I wouldn't, um, wouldn't be ready for the initial conversation with a dog. So what we found is if we were doing the virtual sessions up front and getting some, some language skills in for the parents and teaching dogs to wear muzzles, I didn't get bit anymore. So I had started this program. And then when the pandemic hits, we were ready for virtual training. Um, and that program has just taken off gangbusters. And we just finished filming our series called Lead Me Home. It's gonna be a six part video series with starting with how dogs learn. So you wanna be a parent, what does that mean? How do you keep your dog safe? How do you read their body language? What do you need to provide so that you guys can go on vacation together? Like what does that look like? And how do you set your dog up to take a flight? Like these things have to be, you don't, you don't just jump into that. You wanna do that really well planned, thought out, and set up to be successful. So there's all kinds of different ways in which we're interacting in the world now. You mentioned the pandemic, and I think that we are living in really interesting times. You know, it's, at least in our lifetimes, as you know, th those of us gathered here, you know, this is a really significant event. And we talk a lot about the mental health of the humans. I mean, I've got three teenagers and each one going through whatever they're going through. But have you seen any marked difference in dog behaviors as a result of the pandemic itself? Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch um, and the way that I've been seeing it open up. So there are a lot of people who could never have a dog before because they didn't have the time. So pet adoption went up 700% in pandemic when we were in quarantine. So lots and lots of puppies went home and they were cute and the people spent so much time with them. And dogs innately live in a pack. Right? So when we get a puppy, we treat them and train them to be independent so that we can go to work. Well, all these dogs were raised in a way that the pack was always together. They were also very poorly socialized. They didn't go out, they didn't have people over. So we saw aggression go off the charts, like dogs biting strangers because grandmom is a stranger if they've never met them in the year they've been alive. Those issues, and most, almost all the cases we were very quickly able to turn around just by showing them that you need to do these things and you need to socialize your dog more and then it'll be fine. Um, the other thing that we saw increase off the charts is separation anxiety. So because we're home all the time, the first time somebody goes back to work, the dog loses their mind, breaks out of the crate, eats the walls, you know, that kind of stuff off the walls. So just like the rest of us, this is not a natural way to live and our our lives are forever different there there is no going in a backwards direction there was a global shutdown and a reboot and that has shifted culture and it's shifted conversations and it's shifted social constructs and social norms and a lot of people are saying like hmm i like working from home and obviously i can do that with my dog so like the change in family dynamic and the connection, I think in lots of ways is a really positive one. It's definitely been positive for our environment. It's been positive for our connections from a 
close-knit family type way. Um, and we have some work to do as a society, as a species, as a part of this country and part of this globe and part of our ecosystem that we need to take care of. So much has changed and I led earlier and then realized that I probably didn't talk enough about this, but that was the purple sparklies that I woke up to this morning. And I mentioned, uh, you know, knowing that I was going to talk to you that they were here and you're talking um, a lot about energy, um, different shifts in energy over the years not only during the pandemic, but the years that you've been working with dogs and developing your company. So can you just share with our listeners what you do with your energy to set up your interactions? And so Sherry started earlier, like kind of really talking to us about the difference between woo-woo and the, and then you went into the quantum physics of energy. So you know, just to dabble it with a sparkle of woo-woo, can you tell us more about your purple sparklies and how you use them and maybe your hamster ball uh, <laughs> um, or whichever story you think you want to um, work with? Absolutely. So um, I was introduced to energy work through quantum physics, through um, matrix ener energetics, the work of Dr. Richard Bartlett, mm -hmm. um, that kind of intentional intentional attraction of positive energy, intentional use of your energy. So of course, energy is an unseen force. So there's lots of visualization exercises. And in my past, very logical way, that always seemed a little far-fetched for me. There was kind of nothing to grab onto. I'm a very physical kind of a perspective person. But quantum physics made sense to me. Um, and the ability to track energetic impact and to track the differences in the brain being used for energetic work like there are different parts of your brain that they can notice you're using when you're intentionally meditating or using your energy for a purpose so um the first visualization exercise that makes the best sense to me is my favorite color is purple i feel like i sparkle purple so my energy i chose it to be purple so i have purple sparkly energy so when i start with my grounding exercise the first thing i do is grab all my purple sparkly energy from all over the globe wherever it's sent consciousness wherever thoughts my brain all of that stuff wherever my energy is and you bring it all back to your body so bring everything back into my control because you know i like to be in control and then um i was taught that you want to work on your energetic field so they talk about a bubble that keeps your energy in well i love animals so i feel like a hamster ball works really well for me so here i am walking around the world with my purple sparkly energy in my hamster ball right so blah, you can see that and I visualize everybody in their own purple sparkly balls, but everybody's balls a different color, different density, a different energy. Sometimes your hamster ball like has wide open spaces for energy exchange. Um, and sometimes it has no open spaces for no energy exchange. So the intention is to fill my ball with my energy so dense that I don't feel anyone else's energy and get the walls of my hamster ball really thick. And then once I have that, I can open up little doorways to 
feel other people's energy, but I've gotten much better at feeling it at the wall instead of internalizing it. So I'm an empath or an intuitive, whatever your word is. And as we grew up without awareness, we would intent unintentionally bring others energy in, clean it up and put it back out. Or we would bring other people's energy in and it would wipe us out. Like I remember walking through a store and there was a couple fighting and all of a sudden I'm snapping at my boyfriend. Like it just got on me. So by learning to keep my hamster ball nice and clean, I can now walk by and be like, oof, that doesn't feel good. Not mine. You stay outside of my hamster ball. With the dogs, I open up the communication so that I can read their energy or read it at the at the boundary, um, but also I don't get into their energy fields. So I stay in mine um, and you stay in yours and we'll have a conversation and communication about what that means and then react differently. So that comes the purple energy. As I got better at my energy control or mastery or however you want to say it, um, I started sending my energy ahead to my appointments. So the first time that I did this, I was still working in software and I had a huge thing do like, you know, the things do. And I was really stressed about it and all this stuff. And my coach was like, all right, get up in the morning, get your energy together, meditate, send your energy ahead, picture your purple sparkles in every corner, in every crevice, under every desk, in the coffee shop, everywhere. So I did that and then I drove to work and I got to work and my coworker said, oh, I thought you were here like a half an hour ago. <laughs> Right. So, <laughs> so like there are these reflections that there is realness to it, that there is impact from it and noticing and acknowledging that those signals are happening and that you intentionally had that happen and respond is a big deal. Right. It, it, Cause that woo woo thing of like, Oh, energy's not real. You're not actually doing that. It's so, it's so real now. I almost can't say I'm not doing it. You know what I mean, what you just said, that whole thing, I had written a note in the very beginning that I was just going to ignore because I didn't think it was going to come around. And it has to do with the sparkles, this idea that intuition and energy, I'm not a, an either or person. I'm kind of a yes and both all kind of thing that if, you know, I think they're not necessarily synonymous energy and intuition, but they are definitely connected. And so this, the idea of being an empath before you even said it, I'm thinking this is great work for empath to be able to work on boundaries, to be able to work on, you know, this is mine, this is yours. Um, and I know, I know we're sort of um, wrapping up here, but this feeling of like now, I, my husband this morning, he's got um, an infusion he gets. And so today I put a bubble of white healing light around him and was just kind of touching his forehead and just trying to sort of ease this path. And and part of me is still a little bit skeptical. I'm not cynical, but I'm thinking, is this really working? Is this something that's happening? And the other part of me is just shut the fuck up and do it. Just do it, you know, because, you know, yes. And there's so much we don't know that we don't know or understand, but that we feel, or maybe we don't understand, but coming back to just knowing something. And even if at the very basic, most basic level, it's intending to connect with another being. And sometimes that's enough, you know, sometimes that's enough. But now I'm just going to imagine sparkles. I'm not sure what my color is yet, but ooh, sparkles. I fucking love it, man. <laughs> it is um, when, my, when you first come to work for Lead the Way, that is the first lesson. 
Um, we are all energetic empaths. Um, most people working with animals are empaths, untrained, um, and you'll see a lot of compassion fatigue and bottoming out and so many negative things that happen because we don't know innately how to protect our energy or use it as a superpower. And having met the coaches that I met and Dorothy to be there with me and show me that like, the way that I would say things, she'd be like, you are saying that you're feeling their feelings. Those are not your feelings. But before I was trained, I didn't know how to tell my feeling from somebody else's feeling. I would just have a feeling and then you react from the feeling because that's the way your thinking brain does. They take the, the signal and then your brain runs the program that says this feeling happened, run this program. And what we're learning to do as empaths is notice what's mine, what's not mine. Um, also with my team and my clients, think about it before you speak take a second to know where you're coming from, react from a place of curiosity and collaboration, not defense or overpowering. Right doesn't matter if the outcome isn't what we want. It doesn't matter how right you are. If your client can't hear you, your, your rightness doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, there's so, so much information here that all centered around listening. If we hear, if we listen to the dogs, if we listen to other people's body language, if we listen with an open mind and an open ear, then how we show up in the world, huh? well, hopefully is sparkly for all of us. <laughs> it, it does work. It does. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember um, I was going through some things. And, you know, you called me one day and said, what color are you feeling? And you're sending <laughs> me like all this energy and, you know, helping me to really be able to just stop and pause and feel and notice what was around me. And I know that, um, so not everybody knows that we both have a place at the lake and that you're about maybe six or seven sites away from me. So, you know, a half a block's worth of a walk. But when you drive onto the lake property, Siva feels your energy. She gets up from wherever she is. She starts wiggling her tail and letting me know, like, Amy's on her way. We gotta <laughs> go. Like, let's get set. Amy's here. We got to be there when she arrives so we can greet her. Um, so I know that you and Siva have, you bring out the side of Siva that many people say is the opposite of mine. You're the young. If Siva sees you and I'm on the lead and we're walking towards you, I know that you're her trainer and I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but you're the person she will never listen to me about <laughs> because as soon as she sees you, she was so excited that there is no, you know, walk at my side or, you know, wait or place, or I can give you any treat that is more exciting than just letting the leash go, giving up my end and turning you right over to Amy. <laughs> well, Siva brought you me. Yes. I know. Brought me you. I mean, the interesting part about my work, and I can give you a million different examples of the dogs bringing me the people that they needed something that we were able to help them with, show them, have a different perspective, 
change the trajectory of where they were heading. Um, Rosie's another example, my business manager, her dog Pete brought her to me. Um, and through that journey, we ended up here and she's been with me for six years and she handles all of the business side of Lead the Way, thankfully, and I great, very much gratitude that she handles the schedule and making sure that I have my appointments proper and everybody's called and reminded and all the things. She does all those things. Um, and her dog brought her to me too. Well, we are lucky to have the smartest dogs in town. <laughs> we are also so, so lucky to have the best um, communicator, um, interspecies communicator and team builder. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. I just want to have one more question for you. Tell us where our listeners can find Amy McKay and Lead the Way. So we are all over social media and um, Facebook, and we have a web page. It's leadtheway.us, and it's hyphen, so lead-the-way.us It's where you're going to find us. Um, Facebook, we have a ton of stories, and Instagram, we have things going on, so you can find us there. Yay. Well, thank you, and definitely go find Lead the Way on social media. Um, if you don't have a dog yet, their videos are so cute. You know, they're entertaining whether you do or you don't. And if you need a trainer, absolutely find that team. Uh, they are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. This Thank has been you, amazing. Lady. This has been amazing. I look forward to the next time we meet in virtual or real life. And um, this is a great piece of work and I'm really glad to be part of it. So thank you ladies for having me here today. Woof, 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 woof. Bye, have a great day. Thank you, Amy. I love you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Bye, ladies. We want to thank our guest, Amy McKay, who so poetically expressed the experience from both ends of the leash. Humans and canines have much to learn from each other. And when we remember our mutually meaningful, sentient natures, we can begin to know how to show up more fully for each other in any combination of human and animal. Join us for episode 10 when we conclude season one with Susanna Harwood Rubin, who will be in a conversation with us about our bliss body, Ananda Maya Kosha. Susanna is an acclaimed writer and yoga teacher in New York City whose relationship to her practices and this noisy world land in the integration of these koshas and give us a glimpse of the bliss body. Thank you for listening to Anecdotal Anatomy. We are so grateful for every listen, subscribe, and follow, as well as hearing your story, so keep them coming. Email your kosha stories, questions, and musings to anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. We may read your story on air one day. And swing by our YouTube channel for all of our teasers, shorts, and other video content as it grows. And it is growing. Shout out to our editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny, who composed and performed our music, and our photographer, Cindy Fatsis, who we see for seeing us. Until next time, we are your hosts for Anecdotal Anatomy. I'm Sherry Sadoff-Hank. And I'm Teresa Tobin Macy.